Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am John Mayhead, and I am the editor of the UK Haggerty Price Guide. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello, and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Marker, and I am sat with... Da, 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 da. Amy Shaw. <laughs> I didn't know if I was meant to sing it or not. You were. <laughs> but I wasn't sure, so I kind of whispered sang it. <laughs> whisper, whisper sang. <laughs> I am Amy Shaw. <laughs> anyway, hi. So, hi, 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 hi there. Now, no Andy this week. Uh, Andy's out and about doing other bits and pieces, uh, as he often is running various different brands and businesses and things. Um, so Amy and I have been left with uh, this week's guest. Well, in fact, it's your guest, really, Amy. You've known John for a good while. Would you like yeah. to tell us who we're talking to today? Yes. So we have got the very, very lovely John Mayhead from Haggerty. Now, he was originally, his, I think we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, mm. his um, job title was something like Head of Intelligence of Haggerty. Head of Automotive Intelligence That's UK. <laughs> what a title. Um, but now he... Um, he runs basically the vehicle, I've forgotten what the official name is, vehicle valuation bit of the, the website. Basically, you put in what car you either have, want to buy, want to just look at the research, and it'll tell you, it, depending on if it's like a, you know, a project car or a fully lovely kind of, you know, mint condition car, how much roughly that car is worth. And yeah, um, yeah so he's, he has, he's the man with all of the data, all of the knowledge of all the cars. And um, apart from the part where I was like, so... Tell me some some information which is insider trading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This conversation, as you're about to hear now, as you might have guessed, we've already recorded the conversation. This is just the opener that we then record, ironically, after the conversation that we've had. Yeah, Amy, you do get yourself caught up almost in a bit of insider trading. You try to influence the person that ultimately 
de- decides on the value of cars mm-hmm. so that we could perhaps say, hey, uh, I've just bought, I don't know, an X-type Jag. Yep. Wouldn't it be interesting if that went up in value? Um, I, I feel like there was something else towards the end of the podcast as well that we that we also had to flag and go, oh, I d- don't think we're allowed to... Um, so I can't remember. We'll, f- well you, you'll, you'll, you'll listen hear and you'll find out, yes. You, and you'll, you'll hear, hear either it. us like laughing of the idea of, I shouldn't have said that, or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, in a nutshell, it's uh, uh, the Driven Chat podcast with uh, John Mayhead from Haggerty, and I still can't find, uh, I still can't afford an F40, because mm-hmm. I think is, is what I probably ended up calling this, or something similar. Um, yeah, it's a bittersweet one, this one, because, of course, it's fascinating to talk about car values, but it's also a very impolite reminder that all of the things I want in life, <laughs> I will never be able to afford. Or what we hear is that you've already sold them. Yeah, uh, yeah, all that, all that. Um, there was, uh, in, in this conversation towards the end, I do invite you to, uh, uh, you the listener, to get in contact with us with any stories you might have about success stories or, or failure stories when it comes to buying or selling cars that are appreciating slash depreciating in value. So keep that little light bulb switched on in the back of your head. And um, if you want to start drafting out an email now, uh, then feel free to do that podcast at drivenchat.com or slip into our DMs at drivenchat. Uh, wherever you are or or on your preferred social media platform. For now, let's play another jingle, and then you'll hear myself and Amy with a third voice, John Mayhead. Enjoy. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast, where we are talking to John Mayhead, as you've just heard from, who is the editor of the UK Haggerty Price Guide, but I do feel like, John, I need to reference your previous job title in this as well, because it's just so incredible. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for a period this year, um, we've we've just been kind of subsumed into the, into the mothership. So Haggerty US is absolutely massive. And for years, UK element was was quite small and, you know, we kept ourselves to ourselves. And then suddenly we became part of this amazing organisation. And I got the title of... Um, I've got to get this right. I was head of automotive intelligence, and there was this amazing, you know, job title on my on my email, which I couldn't get rid of, which didn't mean anything to anybody really. And and time and again, it was like, what does it mean? And and people were put off by it, I think. Head and so of automotive intelligence, head of automotive intelligence. I feel like you should be calling you like 007 or something like that. Uh, uh, we all have DB5s <laughs> with ejector seats. And, uh, it's uh, so I eventually had a meeting with my boss, and he said, "If there's one thing we could change," and I said, "Can you please change my my email address, uh, my header back to just I'm the editor of the UK Haggerty Price Guide. I have been for what six, seven years, and." And it, people kind of go, oh, yeah, I know about that. So it's, it's a bit easier. Yeah. I don't know. I quite like the idea of having some, like, special, like, title being like, yes. What, what, where do you work in? Intelligence. Intelligence. Like, that's that's, that's quite cool. Intelligence. Automotive intelligence. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things that I have... Um, so I was in the army years ago, and I did do some intelligence work. And I have said that it is quite similar to, in some ways, to what I did. Because, you know, what I do is... I look for patterns in data but also you've got to translate that into uh something which is a piece of paper which actually people can relate to so i'd now do it for for writing and for things like this and video um in the old days it was for for an operation order or something like that so it was and also you're trying to see where there's a human element in all of this you know we we don't cars and bikes are a passion and you've there's a there's this 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 emotion element in why people buy things why they 
um, why they don't buy things and why they keep them. And that's really where I love it because that's where you get behind all this, the data and the stats and you get into the, to the passion. Yeah. So I guess I need to ask then if you could describe, because you must get this question quite a lot from people, especially if you're you know, sat on a plane or a train, you get talking to somebody that's next to you. In your words, what is your job? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, my job is to tr- track the market and then uh, describe it to, to enthusiasts, really, and mm-hmm. to people who don't necessarily uh, wouldn't think about cars uh, as being, um, you know, that important. But and and that 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 covers a huge range of different topics. So it might be. Uh, we we do lots of things. There are a few few national newspapers that like sort of short and sharp lists of things and what's going up, what's going down. But then at the other end of the spectrum, we have this thing called Insider, which is Haggerty kind of offshoot website, but it's a lot more detail. So we might have a two thousand word article, a real deep dive into what's going on, and we've talked to all people in the market, and we've talked to um, loads of people about really what's going on and. And it's so it's translating um, data into understandable and interesting and enjoyable stories, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the Haggerty Price Guide, which is our big online um, uh, resource, which, you know, at the moment we uh, the UK one has about twelve and a half thousand cars. If you take year make model and the American one's three times as, as large and we keep that up to date. So that's quite a long answer. So for people price. who might not have seen the price guide, mm. is it generally something that you're, you're like, okay, this is what you can expect things to be at, this is what they're going up, what's going down, like, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you can go onto our website, you can put your car in, mm-hmm. uh, you can search by either year of manufacture or, or the year make model, and then what it'll give you is four values. And it is a guide. So um, the bottom one is we call good, which is kind of an MOT taxable car that you could drive on the road. And then right up to the top, which is concourse, which is really the best in the country. Uh, we don't do restoration cases because the, the, the variety is too great. Mm-hmm. And we don't take into consideration like um, the, uh, the, the quality, uh, sorry, the um, the ownership of the car. So we know that if Sterling Mossad owned it, that's going to be <laughs> worth a lot more money. Yeah. And um, and so the provenance side of things is always separate. Um, we also feed in, obviously, Haggerty is an insurance company. Mm. And so we do feed in from time to time with, with the guys who do all the insurance. So they'll come to us and we do help them. So if you're insuring your car, that will be insured as that car, whereas mm. the guide is is a guide. Um, and that what, must be interesting for people who are insuring their, I don't know, Lamborghini Diablo, and they say, "Well, actually, I think my car's worth a million pounds." Yeah. Does that mean the guys on the end of the insurance phone can go, "Well, <laughs> I've just spoken to John, and he says it's actually <laughs> worth three hundred thousand on a really yes. good day." Um, the, the, so we try and get as much data as we possibly can from all different sources. We insure, I think it's 1.8 million cars worldwide. Wow. Um, we have uh, quote data from all around the world. We have uh, all the auction houses that we, we take data from. We've got finance companies, we've got shipping data, we've got loads of stuff. So if there is a really tricky thing, then the underwriters, senior underwriters will come to me and say, just that. 
yeah. and I will then come back with quite a detailed report saying, yeah, you know, either yes, he's got a point because it's a very mm. special car, uh, or it's um, maybe not because you know what we're seeing is 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 not is not quite that. The, the shatterer of dreams and the uh, <laughs> fulfiller of dreams, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's it's to to be honest, it's um it's really hard because if you looked at advertised values. Mm. Sometimes they're really, really different. Yeah, right. completely. I, I did a study of this a couple of years ago where I took the Testarossa, which is a great example because there's hardly any variants other than wing mirror levels. <laughs> and, um, but there's lots of them. Mm. And there's, there's, so there's lots of data. And they're all... So what we did was we, we analysed um, the average sale price, the actual sale price. Yeah. And that was from dealers, uh, auction houses, and from our own... Uh, in insurance values and then we looked at the advertised values and there was about a 40 50 thousand pound difference oh gosh, you know it was it was extraordinary wow. and so sometimes there is a perception and also there is there can be a perception um we've had this recently with uh you know phenomenal rise in ferrari f40s for example mm. and there's this two phenomenal cars sold this year for record prices and uh it, does that mean the whole market has moved to that level? No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But the values have probably been pulled up a bit by that, you know, and yeah. they have moved up, we, we believe, quite significantly. But it doesn't mean that everything is at that level. Mm -hmm. And we do get a little bit of that where somebody says, well, that one sold and mine's as good as that. Well, yeah, but we've got to try and sort yeah. of, val you know, judge where where that is. And one of the ways we do that is by trying especially at auctions to have a Haggerty representative actually see the car so we okay. have our yeah. condition ratings we have somebody so you'll see somebody at um, any one of the big auction houses and there'll be some poor bloke that we've uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've paid to go around and to condition rate every single car and sometimes they have to do it online as well so um, but that means that we can say well that is you know ish that's that mm -hmm. level and this one isn't quite it's, I never, I never knew the amount of data that you gathered as an insurance company to to figure these things out. Like that's mm. a huge amount of power as well to be like, oh no, this is, you know, you can you can uh, sell your car for this amount, or no, you can't, and then kind of like, because simply from understanding the amount of cars that you have seen worldwide, so yeah. over a million cars you've got in it, insured, but then in terms of worldwide as well, you must have statistics for different countries as mm. well, and mm. um, that's like, how many countries are you guys in? So we've got um, Haggerty US is is the biggest mm -hmm. organization, and. Uh, We've got UK, Canada, and we also uh, we have a, a company in Germany called Classic Analytics, which monitors the, US, the European market. And um, so we've got a huge amount of access to data. Uh, it's really interesting what you said about the power because um, we're uh, there is you know we're going public as a company mm -hmm. next week, and there has been a real. Uh, check really of you know we've we are really really careful we've always been really careful to separate this out when I started doing this it was seven years ago now I was told to forget that we were an insurance company and just mm. go out and write about the cars that I loved and to um you know to provide a service and Haggerty is a company in McKeel Haggerty who runs it it has always been about saving driving and what he means by that is about 
you know, it isn't just about providing a service to insure your car because that is quite dry. You know, yeah. you pay yeah. money and unless your car crashes, you just pay again the next yeah, year. And, as, yeah, I think we were discussing right before this, this recording, this podcast, that, you know, if somebody says to you car insurance, you think, oh, yeah. that's just something I have to get for my car and yeah. I will yeah. use if I get crashed into or I have a crash. And it's, 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 it's kind of boring as that you initially think. But, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to find there are so many more levels to that, or at least with, with Haggerty. Absolutely. So... You know, what, what we do as a, and it's completely free, is the Haggerty Price Guide, the, uh, the content that we produce, which again, there's no paywall. Uh, there's, uh, we, we do, uh, you know, events in the States. We're involved in, I think it's something like 1,500 events wow. in a year. We're, we're ramping that up here. Uh, we try to partner with the right people in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the hobby over here. Uh, we, you know, we, it, it's all part of bringing this on and and supporting uh, what we see as a is a fantastic you know, group of enthusiasts who are doing something we all love. So it's yeah, yeah it, it it's that that separation though is really important. And it's gotten become more important. Uh, we um, you know we we can't. We, there's no point in us talking. I mean, people have said before, well, well, if you could just say you know something's going up in value just so you can get the um, get a bigger a, a, a bigger policy you know from that person from the owner well yeah we could but everybody would find us out pretty quickly yeah. and yeah, that would be it. ridiculous and yeah. um and now you know being a public company we we can't do that at all we have to be really really super careful about what we're saying and and um i think that's why there is this separation of of we just write what we see and then we try and analyze it and and part of that analysis is being car people and seeing, um, you know, we we were talking about it this before, before this uh, started, but about how, okay, it's about data, but actually this the more interesting bit and the more important bit is about the human element of why people are passionate about certain cars and not about other ones. Mm. I want, well, I'll just go off on that. Mm. With, when it comes down to individual people's passions, if somebody goes to you, okay, I want to, so say, say I came to you with my Mini and said, um, I want to have my Mini insured. I've had it for 11 years now at this point. And even though it's apparently valued at, I know, £5,000, I emotionally, that would break my heart if I lost that. So I want to insure it for £7,000 or something. Is that, do you take in an emotional connection to the car? Or how, how would that, if somebody was like, I cannot let this car go for any less than whatever amount, because it was my dad's, my grandfather's, like emotional level. Is that something you take into account when you insure cars? I've been asked this question numerous times and we used to do this we used to do a live valuation arena at mm -hmm. the Bista Scrambles where I was myself um and and a, and a few other people from from different organizations and we would get a car where somebody had put generally a huge amount of time and effort into mm. and and that that time and effort exceeded what the the basically the value of that car was in, in if you found it on a dealer's forecourt and I, I always step back from that because I say I, I am not an insurance specialist mm. at all and I always hand them over to somebody but I understand that there is a I believe it's called a reconstitution policy so that if you for example had a um uh, a good example is like an, an hour 105 series alpha so you know there's lots of kind of um resto mod for better better words you know you've got something which has had a huge amount of say alcoholics parts put on it mm. or something like that and the 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 cost of all of that together would be 
much more than say the car is worth yeah. if you sold it then I believe you can cover it for that amount of money. Yep. Um, but I always ring one of the guys in the office because yeah. they will hear you and they are yeah. specialists in that. And I guess it's all down to, it's agreed valuations, isn't it? Absolutely. Once you get to yeah. that point, and yeah, I, I myself, my car, I've got a little uh, Z3M Coupe, mm. which is very unusual in the sense that it's got some bits on it that it shouldn't have and it's got a bit of an interesting history. And the, the insurance company that I insure it through have been fantastic because they ask every year for a list of photographs from all sorts of different angles and we come up with a value that we're both happy with yeah. for the true value of the car but or the insured value of the car. But of course, that wouldn't necessarily reflect against an identical car with the same mileage yeah. that's yeah. completely stopped. You see, this is where that level of attention to detail makes yeah. such a difference. So are we, I have this conversation and it usually is this sort of thing. Mm. Um, uh, I've got a Porsche 912, okay, which mm. is only bought because I... I'd missed the boat on the early 911s <laughs> completely and, and I was offered this and it was uh, a basket That's quite case. funny because you're the man with the data. So how on earth did you <laughs> miss the boat? Oh, <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was, um, I was offered it um, and it was a proper basket case. It had been uh, sort of RSR'd back in the 1980s right. and painted, right, hand-painted red and big fiberglass bonnet bumpers on it. But actually underneath it all, it's... Uh, it's short wheelbase. It's matching numbers. It's UK spec right hand drive. It's okay. it's so it's got all of these things that okay you could buy one you know uh, import from the US for thirty five grand or something. But mm. actually the thing I've got is a little bit special. And so you have that conversation. Um, and the we uh, our senior underwriters are all like phenomenal car people, mm. and they all have that. I mean, they, they get hired for that. One of them yeah. turned up for his interview in the <laughs> Rover SD1. It's like, well, you've got the job. I mean, if you've got to know nothing about insurance, we can teach you that. Um, and, he's, you know, he's still there five years later. And, uh, uh, but, but that's the sort of thing is you've, you've, got, to, you've got to understand that. Mm. Yeah, that's... that's um, I think that is the main difference between a, you know, an insurance company like that and if if we're going out and insuring our, as I like to call them, our white goods products, you know, our Vauxhall courses and Vauxhall mockers, mm. yeah, there's a time and place for them. But yeah, if you're, if, you, if you're used to insuring a Vauxhall courser and then suddenly you've got something a bit unusual, you don't necessarily want that same insurance company to just go, oh yeah, I've had a look on Autotrader, I think they're worth 30 grand, so we'll just insure yeah. it for that. Do you guys yeah. insure like very boring normal cars or do you just specialise in classics and like what you, what you stick to? It, it's... Um so we are, we we insure um, uh, cherish cars is a better better way of doing it. So it's basically if it's your weekend car, mm. if it's something that you um, you you drive because you love it mm -hmm. rather than it's you drive because you have to move somewhere, uh, then we are we are interested in doing that. So it's, it's it's about that level. We are specialists in classic and collectible cars and um we are m m moving more towards if you've got a big collection mm -hmm. and some of those cars are modern ones then we're happy to include those in um we we again i'd say uh, ring ring, ring up and ask <laughs> we could probably help you um well we don't um you know it isn't our bag and we're not probably going to be competitive if you uh if you've got a about my if you've got a modern a modern car uh because that isn't you know we're not specialists in that mm. area mm. um but it's yeah it's 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 really interesting because it's it's that sort of um we we want we want the um we want the in, 
we want it to be part of you know we want the people to ensure with us to to be as passionate about it as as we are mm-hmm. that sounds really cliche but it's <laughs> <laughs> um but it wouldn't wouldn't do us any good if mm-hmm. we yeah. if we did that so yeah going to change the subject tightly slightly now trends with all the data that you've yeah. got you must and it made me think about this when you talk about your 912 and you must be able to see from all of the sales, the auctions, everything. You're like, okay, these, this little graph here of whatever car this is, is definitely going up or going down. Can you jump on that and be like, Haggerty, either as a company or as individuals, can you use that to your advantage and be like, we should invest in one of them as in the Haggerty fleet or whatever? And yeah, absolutely not. Because that would be insider <laughs> trading. Um, well, well, not even for your like personal... Sorry, I'm, I, I'm no, maybe, I, a very bad person or completely naive. Can't you just be like, oh, that's going up. I'll get one of them. The, the, the or thing just is... just pretend that you didn't know. Right, I'll tell you, I, mate. <laughs> I, I've been asked, about, <laughs> yeah. you know, people have yeah, asked me over the years of what should I invest in? Yeah. And I always say, buy what you love. Yeah. Because if you buy it as an investment it is going to go wrong mm. it, it yep. just is it's because n- you're buying it for the wrong reasons yeah we've always discussed this, the exact same thing on whenever we've talked about the podcast mm. when people say to like uh, you know friends like mike brewer and stuff what should i buy and again you go right back to if you buy something purely for an investment you, as you've just said things will go wrong but also mm. you, you when you've got to start spending money on things that do go wrong then mm. you just start to hate it you suddenly just think about it from a spreadsheet point of view rather than a passion point of view is that what you find as well yeah completely so um the and it, it, it's totally the wrong reason for buying a car. You know, a car is a is an is a is an object that you aspire to, or you want to try a new experience with. Um, you know, some of the best cars I've owned are, 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 are cars that um, I, I bought for random reasons, and and I was totally blown away by them. I had a little twelve hundred. Um, Triumph Herald convertible, mm-hmm. which I bought because I had to buy a car for some reason for for. A, thing I was doing at the time and I had 1500 quid and at the time that was I found it just down the road and I bought it and I loved that little car I was absolutely brilliant didn't expect to at all (laughs) and um and I I think that is always about you know it's it should be about the passion and Mm -hmm. and the other thing about um buying to invest is that you you're absolutely right then you don't drive it and then mm. what's the point it isn't a car and i'm sorry i'm saying this but you know that some of those cars that sell with 30 miles on the clock mm-hmm. that isn't a car no. totally, that is a, totally agree that that's a thing that mm-hmm. sits in the garage and and you might as well go and buy a buy a you know some bitcoins or a it's <laughs> true and it, it breaks my heart especially when it's cars that have been designed to be the absolute epitome of a driving machine something yeah. that's had millions if not billions of r&d development put into it to make it as incredible as a car can be and then it gets immediately wheeled into a white tiled mm. room surrounded by glass walls and that's where it sits and stays forever and it is it is very upsetting and like you say cars i've always liked to say cars are especially cherished cars there are a an extension of our personality aren't yeah. they we buy Completely. cars that we love because of what they are and what they mean to us and it yeah. is a kind of it's a bit like going out and buying a suit that you really want to wear or a nice dress you do it because the one the one you pick is the one you do because that's what reflects you as a person oh, completely uh, it's um uh it, it's that you know sometimes that surprises you and sometimes you get other cars which aren't for you when mm. you think they are but but it's that's the whole you know that's the journey isn't it it's just trying different things and finding the ones that just blow you away. Yeah. Um, 
So you don't necessarily look at your spreadsheets and go, in your head, you think, oh, that one's going up. I've got a well, passion for that one. Well, no, no, no I don't. <laughs> definitely no, no. all about this insider trading. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, because I'm a... it's because I'm completely oblivious to how the world of insider trading or insurance works. I'm just like, no, Put well. your wallet away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, um, what we do do, and this is a great lead into this, is we're just about to publish a thing called the bull market list, okay. which is once a year we get 10 cars but it's not about their going up in value. It's about them going up in value that if they're enthusiast cars, that that they might be out of your reach mm-hmm. in a year's time. Okay. And so there's a there's a different spin to this. And these tend and we try and get different price points. So this year we've got everything from a Renault four to a four five eight Italia. <laughs> so oh, wow. there's quite a quite a quite a spread there. And um, so we do do things like that, but it's entirely up to the person you know they completely yeah, and that's kind what, of early warning sign of if you've happened to have a hundred grand in the bank now might be a good time if you really like four five eights to go and buy one yeah and we we get it wrong as well you know we yeah, last yeah. year we did one of these uh we got 10 cars seven went up one one was starting two went down mm-hmm. and um and you go well okay you know fair enough that's what happens because yeah. you know it, it is a it's a passion thing and the the other side of that coin of you know whether I predict what's going to go up as I I no because <laughs> because you can't because it's there are some cars you think that is massively undervalued but but people don't agree with you mm-hmm. and yeah. that's just the way it is um, or, or you're miles behind you know I still think uh, that. Um, Front engine Porsches, okay, and I've got, I have got 944 as well, which I bought for nothing, and I'm not selling it, and I've no, no interest in selling it. But I just think, as a, a in general, they mm. are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cars, yeah. and, um, and actually, you can buy them for almost nothing, you know, as, as a, as a nine, 924 or, a, or a, a smaller engine, you know, an eight valve. 944 mm. and I, I just think if you go you know they drive so well and I was going to drive mine up here today but it's in a garage um, but there's that um, whenever uh, I, I really shy away from it I really do from saying you know buy this and I think also the market has changed if you're yeah. looking five six years ago you could say uh, you know e-types great mm-hmm. example if you get an early flat floor e-type especially an outside bonnet lock e-type it will go up mm-hmm. it will go up mm-hmm. and you know there was one that sold at uh bonham's auction at Bewley, which had you could you know you could see through the floor <laughs> and it sold for more than i think our condition two at the time so wow. it's wow. seventy, eighty thousand pounds and um and and that everything was going up N- now it just isn't like that uh, you need to get the right car. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the, what we see is a huge, uh, F40s, again, great example. Mm. If We've seen, you know, if you look at it across the board, it's about 30% increase over the year in our values on our price guide. Um, in terms of median auction results, it's gone up to about 50%. Mm. But when you plot all the four conditions, there is it diverges. So down the bottom end, it's quite close from where it was last mm-hmm. year. At the top end, it's much much wider because people want, they will pay more for the better ones, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so it's always so much more complicated. And the other thing, it's like you know every advertiser out there is always trying to spot what's gonna what people what's gonna grab the next. Mm. 
headline or, or social media mm-hmm. kind of um, campaign. And it's really, really hard to predict that. Um, you know, the XJ220 this year has has just come out of the shadows eventually. Mm. You know, we've always known that it's been this iconic car, but there has always been this kind of, mm, yeah, but remember what happened. And maybe that's, maybe yeah. that sort of generation mm-hmm. of people have either forgotten it or it's long enough now to go, yeah, we don't really care actually that the engine wasn't quite as big as we, yeah. you know, as originally yeah. it was supposed to be. And it doesn't matter anymore because just look at it and it's a cool car. And well, the interesting thing about the XJ220 is that I, or I was always led to believe that the, the reason that the values never rocketed in the same way as, say, the F40s or other supercars of a similar age was because they were ultimately all being, or, or a large proportion of the market was being controlled by one small organisation who just didn't allow it to go as crazy as the values. And I don't necessarily want to mention that particular company's name, but I'm sure a lot of people who know a lot about XJ220s will know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. But Phil, uh, the owner of Caffeine and Machine, where we're recording from here today, uh, he has an XJ220. Mm. And we, we've had conversations about it in the past. My old boss from Gumball had an X, uh, still has his XJ220. And it was always a talking topic of, you know, why, why isn't a million pounds? Mm. <laughs> why, why is an F40 now on going up for auction with an estimate of a million pounds and their 50s going up for a million pounds and an XJ220 is 300,000 pounds. What, yeah. What's happening there? I would be fascinated to know about some of the, the risers and fallers because you, you've not yet concluded the, mm. the full report for this year. Yeah. Uh, That's for, my for insider trading questions, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, we, we've had to enter into new government regulation just because of Amy's questions. Um, but um, I know that you've noted down, so very, very, very special car to me, the Ferrari F40. It's is it, it almost to the week the exact same age as me from when it was launched at the uh, at the motor shows in 1987 so i've always been obsessed by them i can remember my first proper paid job which as we all did as teenagers remember thinking right i'm going to be a millionaire from this job and so let me just look at the value of f40s so this probably would have now been 2007 8 and i can distinctly remember looking at a website like Car and Classic or, or similar as seeing a Ferrari F40 for £300,000 and yeah. thinking, right, I've got a good few years to work now so I can save up my £300,000 and buy myself an F40. What's happened? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's what's happened with all of us. I can remember doing, uh, I, I nearly bought, oh, back in the 90s, nearly bought a 246 Dino for 30 grand. Oh, God. I would have had to sell my Alpha Spider, 1971 Camtail Spider, which uh, was my daily driver. And I would have had to sell that, which I would have got about seven and a half grand for. Oh, and man. these days, that car is probably still worth about seven and a half. And the, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a balloon that floats off and you're just trying to grasp at it and it just keeps going. Yeah. And, oh. So, yeah, what's happened with the F40? Well, um, one of the really interesting things is we we insure lots of these mm. quite a few of these and surprisingly large number around the world and so we've looked at the ages of the people who who own them and so what we've noticed this year is that 54 percent of the owners uh were born since 1964 so the sort of okay. generation x and uh yep. and m- millennials uh whereas it back in 2018 this was 29 percent. so there's been a real increase in younger people and mm. you know you said it this is these were poster cars completely and yeah. and there are a certain number of people who have got enough money now and and are putting that money you know where their mouth is mm. so there's that we have seen a couple of really really extraordinary cars sold this year um the 
I was talking about uh, the the sort of median value at auction. You know, the hundred percent sell through rate at public auction this year of an F forty. Really, mm. and wow. and t- two of those cars were exceptional. the The interesting thing is whether that is something which is an anomaly, mm. and and that's pulling everything up, which is quite possible. Mm. Uh, but also, it's it is you know or is this a real turning point and is this going to be the next one and i it it, it could well keep going up so from my uh, 300,000 pound piggy bank that i was starting to save in 2007 how how much more how many more piggy banks do i need now ooh i mean to get a good one you probably need triple that oh. to be honest and uh, you know and a, and a million pounds is now i mean the beginning of the year a million pounds was like ooh yeah. Whereas now, Mini Rouse is like, okay, that's about, about right. And, you know, we've got advertised so values, eight, nine, um, insured values all creeping up. Yeah. Uh, it's it's um, it's some, some big numbers there. And, you know, but then you go back to what we were saying earlier about some of these really top cars have got almost no mileage on them. And then you go, whoa, mm. is that a car? Is, mm-hmm. it, a, is it a piece of something art? Something, yeah. yeah, putting in their garage. What about things that are staying kind of the same? Yeah, this is really interesting. So, so, so generally, I'm asked about right, what's going up. You know, mm-hmm. market soars, market crashes, and and actually, the stuff that's really interesting is in the middle. Mm. And uh, I was asked to do something quite recently for somebody else, and they said, "What isn't moving?" I was like, oh, "That's a really interesting question." So I got between five and twenty-five thousand pounds and looked at what hadn't moved or hadn't risen by. Uh, or, or risen by less than 5% in the last five years. And there were some really good old-school classics there. Um, minor, Morris Minor uh, convertibles. There was the Frog Eye Sprite. <laughs> there were um, things like Daimler V8. You know, they mm. just haven't taken off like mm. like the Jag, you know, the Mark II Jaguar yeah. has. And 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 there were also some some more cars like that, which were almost like in the shadow of a of other cars but but they're instantly recognizable classics mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of it like the 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 frog eye and the um the the minor is these you know that generation that we're going to buy these maybe is yeah isn't buying them anymore mm-hmm. and they've either got one or they haven't the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital it's a fascinating one with that that sort of car because I think I have to be very very, very careful how I word this because I'm potentially going to upset a few people. But <laughs> you know, I, I I think it's a it's a particular type of mm. person that drives those cars or, or aspires to enjoy those cars. Nothing wrong with those cars. Nothing necessarily wrong with those people either. Um, but I do think they're a dying breed, and I think there are going to be certain cars and certain marks that are uh, a, a bit more appealing to an old gentleman with a, a, mm. a leather waistcoat and a, a goatee white beard that are probably not going to have that cool factor maybe because of the core demographic that have owned them and cherished them up to now. And I, I guess it maybe does fall into that category. But then who knows that, you know, one of them might get featured in a Billy Eyelash video and suddenly it's worth <laughs> all the money <laughs> in the world. I don't know. Well, well actually, one, going off from, from that, one of the questions I've written down to, to ask about is uh, even though, yes, the... the the, the breed of people that may be not buying these cars anymore, maybe dying out for themselves mm. at some point, there probably will be a dip, like we have seen with, for example, some of the, the higher, or even mm. um, when we talk about pre-war cars, you know, mm. the, the interest of those. Yeah. However, something I want to ask you, John, is when it comes to when more electric cars come out and 
legislations change do you think that there's going to be a dip in the next few years but then it will rocket it just completely like i'm guessing because suddenly there's a there's an end to, to these cars not only in the sense of them being classics and there's only a few of them but in mm. terms of internal combustion and what they represent and the emotions and everything to do with that do you think per- completely personally that there will be a rise of want for those cars or do you think that actually it probably kind of stays similar in the way that the trends are currently i think um there could be all, all of those things could happen. Mm. I, I I looked at this recently because we looked at uh, you know there's a lot of kind of sensationalist uh, writing about oh my god it's the end of the you know mm. we're not going to get petrol in the forecourt and actually when you look at it um, 2030 is when you uh, every new car has to be uh, has to be hybrid at least mm-hmm. yeah. but that still means that there will be petrol in the forecourt because yeah. it's still a hybrid yep. and uh, the average age of a car by the SWMT I think is about 13 years of a, mm-hmm. and and so you you okay well that's that's 43 and then you say well okay and then full electrification and then that you, you're getting close to 2050 so that's still quite a long way away mm-hmm. and it okay is, well, yeah. it will probably come around quite quickly and there might be some real step changes in um in uh in 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 people's um perception really of cars and especially ones with internal combustion engines i think where haggerty is really uh at the for hopefully at the forefront of is what we really want to do is you know part of this saving driving is about explaining that uh the that actually they they're not massive polluters mm-hmm. um i was talking to henry pierman about this uh who was who said no you know there's there's more and don't quote me on this but you know <laughs> refer to henry um there's more uh carbon produced by your iphone in a year than the average classic car because you drive from 1500 miles yeah. a year you know it's been something which uh, all the carbon footprint of that has been created donkeys years ago mm-hmm. and um and uh, and and also, you know, there's other things we can do. And and the, the other thing is that, you know, there are so many other hobbies around that 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 don't contribute to the to the uh, to the to the um, economy. And and I think that that's a really vague answer, isn't it? I'm, no, I'm basically yeah. telling you I don't really know. No, it, um, it's fine. interesting to hear yeah. your thought process as well. Yeah. It was like kind of a, yeah, an open open thought process because, um, yeah, just from somebody that does have a passion, but also yeah. the data. Like if you kind of said, oh, no, at some point, I imagine that they're definitely going to be all have to be shut up or into garages and, and not touched again or something like that. That be that would also be interesting to hear. Yeah. But, um, mm. I suppose because my I, personal thought process is is that I reckon there will be a dip as we mm. have people. Um, I think there'll, there'll be end, ending up like teenagers today or the you know next generation or two will be split into two halves. There will be yeah. the people that only care about vehicles primarily just because they want to drive them, and there will still be a core love for vehicles and. Even though people will think, oh, you know, the, the original Teslas or whatever were mm. super cool if we're thinking about the future, I still think that kind of avenue of people will be interested in classic cars and yeah. things you can still drive on the road, like at full, you know, full speed of, mm. of the roads that they are now. So, okay, I admit that I don't think personally that pre-war cars will ever kind of regain the values that they have had. But when it comes down to some of the 
yeah. most awesome. Like I've got my MGB GT and, you know, when I'm sitting on the motorway quite happily at like 75 miles an hour, I'm like, this will carry on keeping up with yeah. modern day traffic. Mm. It's not something I have to worry about. I just get to be able to have all the things I love about classic cars and, and you know, the smells, mm. the sounds, the, yep. the joys of driving. I still get all of those and I'm still keeping up with mo- modern traffic without overheating or anything like that. So yeah. I do believe that, you know, there may, may personally be a dip and then a kind of a, a much more of an interest depending on where you are in the, in the well, yeah, interest of automotive. And I, I think a really good example of that is uh, at members meeting at Goodwood when you get, uh, okay, so there's modern F1 cars and then you get like the proper old high airbox F1 car and yeah. it just <laughs> blows you away. And it's yeah. that sort of similar thing is if you can compare a an electric car, say, 10, 15 years down the road with something which is, you know, has a, has a V8 and the, the, you know, the noise mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. that is going to be phenomenal. I think we're partners with the VSCC and part of that is, is about investing in, 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 uh, in motorsport as well uh, mm. at the grassroots and getting younger people into it, mm. uh, especially, which is really, really important. You said about the kind of the older people at uh, that generation, we need to get new, younger people yeah. as well. Yeah. And just, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm butting into you now because yeah. I'll forget this question, but I don't ask. Why <laughs> do you think young people aren't going for more classic cars? Is it purely the values of them that they're now at? No, I think they are. Uh, I think if- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating they always have their customers in mind their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you and with burrow you always get fast free shipping get up to 60 percent off during burrow's memorial day sale at burrow.com slash acast that's burrow.com slash acast Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you look at... Yeah, because you've got the data. (laughs) Yeah, if you look at what some... So some of the most vibrant, um, and you're part of this, is, you know, some of the most vibrant uh, social media, car but social media channels Mm -hmm. are are younger people and they're just going into it with um, with just this this passion for things that are... And they're just cool. Mm -hmm. And... And I think anybody, uh, whatever happens, whatever happens in 40 years time, you know, Shelsley Walsh will still be there and mm, people yeah. will still be racing and people will be going there, especially if, uh, if everything on the roads is automa- automated and, and, and electric. You go there, you go to Shelsley or you go to Prescott, or you go to um, Goodwood. Oh my God, it's going to blow people's minds, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. that is... All of that is we do need younger people. We need younger people to be able to drive. We need younger people to get it and to, to uh, service and create and build. And, and if that means uh, we, we, you know, embrace everything from resto mods to, to nut and bolt restorations, it's all about bringing everybody in, new, younger people. I think it's just celebrating being a little bit different as well. And mm. I think there's, there's two sides of this. I mean, thinking... Um, 
just in the literal sense of where we are here at Caffeine and Machine, this is a place obviously staffed by people that love hmm. cars, uh, cars and motorbikes. And, and the staff here, they're quite a young demographic. And I'm thinking of one chap in, in particular here uh, called Will, uh, who works behind the bar. Um, Will, through his own choice, he's, he's probably very, very early 20s, um, and he drives an E38 7 Series just because it's a bit different. Yeah. And you look at that and think, that's a cool car. Like, yeah. that's a, he's made a decision rather than just going out and buying another Corsa or yeah. another Astra or a Golf. He's gone out and bought something that's a bit different because it's cool. And I think there will always be that core demographic, especially in the younger groups that just want to be a bit different, mm. want to have something a bit cooler and a bit more unusual. And if anything, the other thing I'm really excited about, and again, this argument of, oh no, is, 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 the, is the car world about to become really boring and are we going to start to see classic cars disappearing in the transition of EVs and hybrids? Um, I actually think it's going to be the opposite because I think what's going to happen is the, the cars that are being replaced by EVs, the vast majority of them, will be the really boring stuff. Mm. It's going to be the Vauxhall Zafiras, the Volkswagen Golfs, the Ford Mondeos, the run-of-the-mill white goods, take the kids to school, do the office commute, go and do the weekly shop, that sort of car, those are the ones that are going to be replaced, leaving behind in their wake the cars that are still running on fossil fuels are mm. going to be really interesting bits of kit. And I'm not saying they're going to have to be supercars, hypercars, sports cars. It might just be something really cool, like an old Civic that's yeah. just cool yep. because it still works and, and it will do for many, many years. So I think the roads in 20 years from now are going to be quite an interesting place because we're going to have... Firstly, the most amazing futuristic tech and EVs, but then behind that in traffic is going to be an old E thirty eight seven series, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. I personally think that's that's that that's my sort of positive saving grace, and maybe uh, maybe a bit whimsical and hopeful. But no, yeah. I think I mean I th think you're you're probably right with that, John. But I mean, one thing I suppose that was interesting. I was going to ask. So it's confusing. Now. I've got two Johns in the room, so I'm talking <laughs> yeah, to John Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Mayhead, when it comes to um, insuring younger people with their cars yeah. like i know when the reason i got my mini was technically because my brother got one first and mm. he's two years younger than me there's a 17 year old lad trying to buy a really old boring whatever it was he was looking at his insurance that he got quoted at the time was like two thousand pounds or something yeah. and it's like yeah. worth four times the amount the car was and then the minute he was like oh, hang on a minute if i get a, a classic mini and then also insure that under classic car insurance that is so 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 much cheaper a yeah. lot of car insurance companies don't see or like at least the, the the normal ones don't seem to to do that or offer that anymore so Haggerty at a guess because yeah. you are trying to make sure that there's a younger audience you must absolutely yeah so we are uh, actively creating those policies now to suit younger people um good example of this is my I've got a 19 year old son and he is absolutely mad keen driver and uh he's got um so we're gonna um we're gonna hill climb next year oh, in a okay. mgtc from 1946 oh, wow. fantastic. and uh and the stupid thing was is that he can bomb up a hill in this thing but he can't he couldn't be insured on the road so <laughs> so the office were like no that's wrong we should we should be able to do that so um with me in the car mm -hmm. with him next to me uh, we he is now insured to drive the TC, so we go out and Great. he's he's really competent. And the 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 good the the thing about that is it's you know insurance is a balance of risk. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Haggerty is knowing that risk. Because if you get if you get somebody who owns who loves a classic car that they've owned mm. they've rebuilt, mm -hmm. and they get their son or daughter to to drive it with them sat next to it. 
<laughs> there's, you know, <laughs> there is no way that is not going to be driven carefully. Yeah. You know, this is completely yeah. different mm -hmm. to somebody um, buying a, uh, a, you know, a 944 Turbo age 22 as their daily driver mm -hmm. and just going, oh, I'm getting around the system because I can thrash mm -hmm. this thing. And uh, it, it isn't like that. You know, this is, this is about enthusiasts and passion, passionate people uh, who love to drive older cars. That's what we want to enable. What I will say is um, ring us up mm. and talk to somebody and, uh, and explain the situation and we'll, we will do what we can. It's really important. I yeah. suppose that's what I really quite like about because uh, I've got my own vehicles that um, yeah insured through you guys and it's yeah. really nice when you do talk to somebody and and yeah you like you end up knowing that person and then you're yeah. like oh hey you know <laughs> bought a new car and you know he's talking about insurance you, you do listen to each person's it's not like you just fill out the form and then press off you go give me a compare the market quote mm. whatever it is so that is really interesting you do listen to to each person's um, situation yeah their yeah. their love and it's great to remind people of that as well because it can be scary if you have got a car that you yeah. really cherish yeah. You hate the the idea that it just goes into this system mm -hmm. and it calculates this cost, and you go, "Oh, is that is that it then? Is that yeah. what I have to pay?" <laughs> I think that's good. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, the idea that, as you say, Emmy, you can actually have a conversation with somebody and say, "Oh, you know, it's a, a bit tatty on one side, but I really <laughs> like it." So it's funny. My mini actually it got um, it got crashed into the side of uh, about three years ago now, and so one side is now beautiful. <laughs> it looks so good. The other side, oh, it's a bit bubbly. The driver's side <laughs> is insured for five hundred pounds more than yeah. the passenger. Side. <laughs> um so yeah now i'm kind of thinking oh maybe i need to get someone else to actually yeah i'm actually i'm talking i'm talking about insurance fraud now yeah <laughs> so we've gone from uh, insider trades <laughs> to insurance fraud. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll record a separate <laughs> disclaimer at the, uh, any the comments start that Amy um right i'm going to quickly i've got one more question that i had written down i okay. wanted to ask you about and it was actually going back to one of the previous conversations we had earlier in in the podcast um talking about your personal um opinion on th three i want three underrated cars that you think why are they not more like looking at the data oh. that you know i mean i mean treat to know because at the same time this is not only about generally what you think people should be loving or not loving but your own personal interest of of vehicles oh that's a really hard one um good it, question by the way yeah that's, no it's a brilliant question <laughs> and um, i think i'm going to also ask the same question which might be upset some people but i want to ask next three cars that you think are way overrated oh okay. if you're allowed to uh, oh blimey that's really that's, okay um so um underrated cars right mm -hmm. the, we, you've mentioned pre-war cars a lot yeah um i I, I, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to pre-war racing, Brooklands mm -hmm. and and some of the, the record uh, breaking that they did in those days. And there were some extraordinary people and some extraordinary cars. And I think that that whole pre-war um, environment was was just an amazing thing that, that I think a lot of us these days have forgotten about. Mm. And I think that as, as, a, as a general group, those cars still provide something which is uh, just phenomenal. Um, I once drove a, a, a Forest Lysit eight-liter Bentley, um, <laughs> and it it was. I I, I looked at the old um, motorsport, uh, you know, reviews at the time. It was 1935, and this thing did naught to sixty quicker than a than a Mura, you know, this was, wow. this was phenomenal. Wow. And, 
Uh, You can fact check me on that one because I bet, you know, that's my memory. But it was it was phenomenally fast. Mm. And then when you got to a corner and you went (laughs) and the brakes and then you had to hang on to this massive steering wheel and put it around a corner. But the feeling that this thing gave you and that and as you said earlier on about the smell and the 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 tactile sensation Mm. and you could be going 30 miles an hour in this and you felt yeah amazing and i think that there is you know there's so much in that uh that we've we've almost lost um so I, I don't know if that's okay because I haven't given you an exact car. But no, no I, I, I support you on that because I had a similar experience a couple of years ago. I was tasked with driving a, a 1927 Blower Bentley oh. back from Le Mans to the UK. Wow. So did a couple of laps of Le Mans, incredible. And bear in mind, I'd never driven a car of that era or that particular car and drove it back. And I got home and thought, why doesn't everyone want one yeah. of these? But yeah. then, of course, the more you think about it, in the sense of what people are used to in modern cars, or even most people's ideas of a classic car, it's now so far detached mm. from what people refer to. You know, this thing had a centre throttle. Yeah. So to get your head around the fact that the throttle pedal's in the middle, clutch to the left, brake to the right, the handbrake's on the outside. To yeah. change gear, you almost had to scratch your ankle, which was at this point right down in the bottom of the footwell. Mm. And you think, yeah, for a lot of people, they're going to look at that and go, cool, it looks cool, but there's no way on earth I'd want to drive it. Yeah. And I think that that has to be the only reason, really. The the thing is, though, it's almost like what we were talking about earlier on is that this is a it, it's a journey, and yeah. and and finding those things. I um back in February, believe it or not, and I've got I don't really remember why it was February, but I did. I went to the Classic Motor Hub, and it was very kindly lent a, an an MG K three that mm. raced in period, mm. a phenomenal car, but it had a pre select gearbox, and the first time <laughs> I'd ever. Um, used one and um ed there very kindly went have you ever used one of these no can you show me how to use it she showed me how to use it and i kind of went out and i was going along this like little country road in the snow uh, <laughs> and uh and i was doing really well up until the point a skip lorry came around the oh, no. corner on a single track lane coming towards me and just completely panicked and and but but i love the fact that you know that was a way of the the engineers worked out a way of you know uh, of of of, um, of of solving a problem and mm. and so there's all of that you know as you said you know the the all the different ways of of trying things and it we we do the london sprite every year and uh, as a as a company and you know even those those are really really obscure cars yeah. them. but yeah. the way that the engineering problem is being solved in a different way by all these different manufacturers was extraordinary yeah. and and i think that 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 diversity is is phenomenal yeah um i think you know what what they were doing in those days as well you know racing at brooklands and lapping at over 120 miles an hour oh with yeah. with tires that would regularly just disintegrate That's and right, they were yeah. being hit on the back by bits of tread um and extraordinary extraordinary times and i think we've kind of forgotten that a bit mm. mm-hmm. yeah. right what else um <laughs> okay um i think that um i i you know, it's the old cliche about owning alphas um i my background i had alphas from sort of all my 20s and 30s i just had mm-hmm. had alphas um I still think a really well set up uh, Camtel, sec- it's like the Series 2 Spiders, 
um, are, are are absolutely fantastic. And mm. the 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 series four spiders are are something which are you know valued value wise. You compare those with the with the first series of the Duetta, the Roundtail spiders. They're mechanically about eighty percent the same. Oh, really? And you, the engine is okay. It's a bit bigger, but you, but they're comfortable. They look great. Yeah. And and I think they're they're really cracking cars. And they're they're a they've got that combination of you know that twin cam engine is just brilliant. They are you know, fantastic, it is just yeah. fantastic. And uh, I I've just got real soft spot for them. So I still think they're undervalued. Um, I think they will creep up. I think because that's that I think that's falling into an age category now where young people especially will have seen a lot of those as mm. kids driving around. Yeah. And whilst it's not as pretty, in yeah. my opinion, as as the the older round tails, yeah. a lot of the younger guys and girls are gonna look at them and go, Oh, but that's quite a cool yeah. Italian convertible yeah. sports car. And it generally starts more often than the other one would and it would yeah. have, you know, <laughs> leather, <laughs> leather seats and it's got yeah. actual heating and yeah. you know, I and and electrics that yeah. you know actually works sometimes, <laughs> which is quite good. Um I was once driving down a, a Belgian motorway when I had my spider in the snow again and all the light every light in the car went out and then he came back on again because it's an alpha and that's what it does it just kind of keeps you awake the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital yeah oh i did i did that um i was moving house this is fairly recently actually and i was in my my mini and i was on the m40 i'd got into the car and uh, you know when i switched the car on and the lights i switched the lights on i was like oh, they've not come on Anyway, I knew that my, you know, my fuse box could be a bit dodgy sometimes, so I kind of opened the bonnet, gave the wires and a fuse a quick wiggle, and they all popped back on again. I thought, okay, this will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> Fixed, yeah. Just wiggle the fuse. Oh, yeah. the, that's the, the, the best thing my dad ever taught me. If it, electrics don't work, just waggle the wires and they'll work again. Yeah, so that's what I've, I've waggled wires for years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so waggle the wires, off I went, and they're, you know, fine. Anyway, then I got on the M40, and I'd just, I'd just gone past the junction exit for Banbury, and I was literally under the bridge of the junction, and then all my lights went out, the exact <laughs> same. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then, but the bad thing is I didn't quite make it, because I just thought, it's pitch black at this point. I thought, mm. I can't go any further. I have to pull over right now. Um, you know, hazards don't work, nothing. And so managed to pull over onto the hard shoulder but it was before the on slip road of you know so I, I was the slip road was next to me as I was sat there on the motorway I thought right, I'll waggle the wires it'll come back on I'll get we're going again well it did not come back on did it so <laughs> I had to get my other half to go all the way down to like the Bister Junction to come oh. all the way back oh, again yeah, to come pick me up drive to London and yeah. back to yeah, get you to be able to go, <laughs> go on to the, uh, the junction to get me yeah. but yeah it's Anyway, they work now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, I've, I've, I've butted in with my story it. about the mini. <laughs> and, um, but when it comes to, maybe this is a question that you either can't ask or don't, uh, can't answer or don't want to answer. When it comes to three cars you personally think are overrated for what they are, could you answer that? Oh, it's really hard because, you know, this, this goes back to what is one person's dream mm-hmm. car mm. is another person's like, meh. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I, don't, I don't like... So um, one of the things that other, the other things that Haggerty is well known for is the Festival of the Unexceptional. So mm-hmm. this is the, um, you know, it's a celebration of all those cars that used to be on every driveway. So it was the, the cars that took you to school and, and there's so few of them left. And the, you know, th- those, you've got to be a, a real enthusiast to spend generally most of those cars that have either been restored have been, have had a lot more spent on them than they're worth mm. if you were to to sell them um 
or they've been maintained at a level over so many years that it's extraordinary that they've survived like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the best thing about that is that you go there and everybody walks around and they go, oh my God, and it brings back memories. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is, there, is a, there is an emotional connection to these cars. And you, there is, um, you know, if, you, if we're talking about an F40 or a, a DB5 or something like that, you know, you you can go to a car show and you go, oh, you know, it's beautiful and everything else. But you don't remember what it felt like, to, unless you're really lucky, <laughs> you know, what it felt like to sit in it as a kid mm. yeah. or the smell of it or the sound of it or the door shutting. And, mm. you know, it's all those sort of things. So those emotional things. And so when you get to sort of what isn't worth it, it's all worth it, really. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Oh, it sounds like cheesy. No, I like very, But it is. Yeah. It's, no, it's because it's, if it, there's some stuff I don't get. Yeah. Um, it tends to be a lot more modern. Um, we, we, so we have this uh, Slack channel that we all work on and there's Anthony Ingram, James Mills, myself, a couple of others and, um, and every now and again they'll drop in something. <laughs> J- they, they generally, and I don't want to upset anybody here, JDM car or something like that. Mm. And, and I'll just kind of go, oh, I don't really know what it is, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. Or why, you know, and I, I, if we're not tracking it in the price guide... Um, there's things like that, you know, the, the, um, some of the, uh, some of the cars that have made extraordinary amounts of money, the sort of, um, fast and furious cars in the States. Mm. I don't get that, but I'm not taking that away from the person who does get it and was prepared to pay all that money. Um, so yeah, that might be a bit diplomatic. I don't know. No, it's, I get that. It's, you know, I, I, I'm a big JDM car fan and I like things like, um, the old R32 hmm. era GTR Skylines. Hmm. Um, the amazing thing is, R32 to one side really, because that was a pretty iconic racing car of its era. But the the models that followed, so the 33 and the 34, the R34 I think is one of those pinnacle cars. The US market's just opened up for hmm. them. So they can now import them, whereas previously they, they weren't compliant with their... Um, their, their version of the MOT. Yeah. So now you can, and the the buzz and excitement because of films like the Fast and Furious yeah. franchise, people have got really excited about them. Now, for me, I'm a driver. I like to be able to experience a car, drive it, and f- discover why something is so mm. sought after. So for things like BMW M3s of the same sort of age, they handle and drive brilliantly. Mm. You get into an R34 GTR, and this will upset a few people, I'm sure. <laughs> they're actually not that good <laughs> as a driver's car. I'm sorry to say it. They're very fast in a straight line, but they're just not that good. Yeah. In comparison to the M3 and the M5 of the same era, it's not even close. And I'm sure there will be a 50-50 divide of people that have driven them. Half are going to go, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. And the other half are going to go, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. So the value-wise for those is is bizarre. And they are getting, you know, £100,000 plus I've seen yeah. them selling wow. for now. And I just can't work out why. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, so I can talk from one from experience, similar sort of thing. Mm. So um, a few years ago, I got the opportunity to buy a, uh, a Porsche 914. Mm. And uh, this thing had been... Had a six liter, uh, six liter, blinding up again. It's <laughs> uh, a six cylinder S, uh, a 911 SC engine put in it. It had had just uprated everything and G50 gearbox. And uh, it looked amazing. And yeah. the first couple of times I drove it, it was on like dual carriageways at night with roundabouts. I was like, this is awesome. And then I drove, I did buy it. And then I drove it in traffic. And oh my God, it was horrendous <laughs> to drive. And it was like, you, the, uh, 
there's just so many things i'm not saying that is that is reflective of the of the car of the model itself because it was very you know it, it was an extraordinary car but it it for me it just didn't flick that switch and i mm. sold it quite quickly um so but but it's yeah it's about trying it and sometimes yeah. you know as i said about a herald i didn't expect a herald to be fun and somebody else i met the other day and they were like oh i had a herald and it was brilliant and yeah. you got comment people stopped you in the road and went oh that's brilliant i love it and it's what is it and and things like you i uh, i was going to one of the breakfast clubs and i live just up the road from goodwood and um one sunday morning it's like oh god the water pump's gone and uh, or it was on the Friday, I think, and I overnight ordered one. It cost me thirty-five quid. Eight bolts later, in about <laughs> half an hour, and I'd fixed it, and it was mm-hmm. on the way. And I, you can't do that on a yeah. hardly any car. And no. so, you know, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's always, a, you know, the the fact that people love these. I was talking mm. to um, somebody earlier on about bikes on the way up here, and the fact that people um, at Zoot the Bonham Zoo auction. Now, this year we had six monkey bikes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, people are loving them. Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of money being spent on a monkey bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, on a, on a, I have no idea. You know, what, <laughs> I, I, what do you do with it? I mean, it's cool, but it's, yeah. do you just put it in the corner of the garage? And Go to the post office. Go to. <laughs> God, that, I mean, I suppose that is cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's the point of it. But, um, but that's um, that is the beauty of our world it is you have people who love those and can buy those and you have people who love f40s and can buy f40s Mm. and i suppose this is the other thing about how some of the questions i've asked you you're like who knows because it is with those things where like for example the fiat pandas who knew that they would suddenly rock it just there's certain things monkey bikes there are going to be certain things that just i'm really hoping that ford ka's don't rock it because i had one i hated it so much just because i found it was like a you know the (laughs) typical teenage girl car of, of our era and so if they go and rock it, then I'll be like, oh, I shit think up. you have got Save. rust on your side. <laughs> I, I don't think there are many left, and if there are, there's there's maybe one or two MOT years left in them. Uh, a big shout out to the uh, Ford KA Owners Club. <laughs> I'm sure are listening with intent. You, you, there are certain things that we use as predictors of whether something is going to be more desirable, and those are whether it's a top manufacturer, mm. it's got uh, racing heritage, it's generally within that top sort of 10, 15% of engine size for that year. Mm. Uh, it has some sort of X factor to it, and that could be poster car, movie, uh, you know, celebrity, celebrity ownership. Um, and homologation is the other huge thing. And recently, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, J- JDM cars and we've had, uh, you know, huge rise in, in uh, uh, earlier Audi Quattros you know, for mm. the same reason. Yeah, yeah. And at those, all of those markers kind of mark something up as, mm. as being probably the car that, that will go up and you, you know, you, you're probably work. safe. Yeah. I, I hope so because um, when you talk about X, uh, the X factor of a car I've just bought my, my latest addition to the fleet is now an, a Jaguar X-Type Estate so I've gone for a really old man's car so I'm hoping that that's just going to completely go up in value 
You never Don't know. Don't tell me anything. Yeah. About it. <laughs> <laughs> I could describe the diplomatic look on John's face there. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You probably have to call it a shooting break. A shooting break. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I'm still trying to figure out what to name it. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then maybe I'll just like talk to, I'll make friends with some film direction and be like, hey, you know what would be great for that? Like villain's car. <laughs> X-type <laughs> shooting break. I do seem to remember <laughs> It must be many, many years ago now. What year is what year is the X type? I don't actually know. The it's first like early two thousands, isn't it? I think. I think it's two thousand eight, two thousand nine. The first oh, okay. I've, dri- I've driven it for the first time here mm. today. Ah. <laughs> so I don't actually well, know. Well, I remember the launch, not the launch video, but the the Top Gear review video of it. Because I'm fairly sure I've got this right. They were racing. I think Clarkson was racing a downhill skier in it. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Remember yeah. that? I think it was yeah, red, and it was mm. one of those early, early new found Top Gear so loads of ridiculous visual effects like vignette around the screen so you could barely see the car and it was yeah but that that really stuck in my head so there's certain things like that uh, it, it's a cool car I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't, you know John's the expert here so I uh, well yeah. I, I, I buy, buy it because you love it but there I tell you, you I tell go, you, it, I, it's, I tell you why, why John is being kind of reserved with it it's because inside a trading he knows yeah, that they're rocketing true. you can't say anything <laughs> else true. I couldn't possibly tell <laughs> Now we've mentioned um, we've mentioned film um, cars that are uh, or car values that are kind yeah. of triggered by films and things. Now, big film came out this year that was delayed by over a year uh, was of course the new Bond film. Yeah, yeah. So I assume DB fives are now shooting through the roof in value. New, oh. um, yeah, really interesting because we uh, I did lots of I looked into that and we did I did a big article all about right what's the What's the value of a real Bond car? So one that mm. has actually been in a film and then has sold uh, in percentage terms compared with the one we have in the guide for that year and for that, if it's in the States or Australia and places like that where some of them were, um, you know, compared with the exchange rates and everything. So it's a, it's a flat it's Esprit. Uh, yeah. yeah, S1, wasn't yeah. it? It went from 5,000%, believe it or not, Whoa. in the top, <laughs> which was um, Wet Nelly, which was the... Uh, but but then you get into that well submersible and uh, and then we went all the way down and the DB5 was about fourth. Now that was the real one compared with the real value then. Mm. Now this year we have seen DB5s drop across the board really? and fours and sixes and two fours and Mark threes. Or and the uh, they te- other than the really special ones. So the short, short s- chassis Valance the super leger is that you know that those ones are still holding or increasing mm. um what we think has happened is that we were talking earlier on about you know your, your aspirational cars mm. if you've got to the point where those were your car uh of and that that was your your era car if you were ever going to get the amount of money that you could afford a a db5 um the chances are you probably have had one by now yeah, and so they're yeah. either in a garage somewhere, or or they're you've had one and you've moved on and you've yeah. you've bought mm-hmm. something else. So that that's what we think's happening there. The um, the other thing which is happening is there was a spike. You know, about three or four years ago, there was a real spike in 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 and it started with fives mm. because of you know they are the one they are the they are the you know bond car for one of a better reason. But also there's other elements to the five which yeah. makes it really special and then you know we always see these kind of the, the what we call the brothers and the cousins and sisters and cousins the, <laughs> the the 
the cars around those. So then the fours went up, then the sixes. Mm. And so it pulls everything up. And then the trouble is, is then you get, you get what we talked about earlier on. And so you get to this level where people go, ah, oh, that one sold for £850,000. So mine's worth that. Yeah. And then that gets advertised as that. But then they don't sell. And then it gets to a point where does it, you know, and if a dealer or a private owner has got it and it doesn't sell, then what do you do with it? You either sit on it and wait for the market to catch yeah. you up or you sell it for something less. And mm. I think that's what we're seeing. So I don't think it's a draw. You know, it's not a, like a like a cliff edge. It's a, it's a correction, really, mm. on those cars. They're still, you know, really well-known. They tick all those boxes I was yeah, talking about in collectability. Uh but it's um, it is it is a correction. Um, e types are another one. We've we've had a we have had a correction from where they were a few years ago, especially with the uh, the earlier ones, the flat floor uh, e types. Everything was going up mm -hmm. and hugely, and it just doesn't the the market doesn't sustain that because mm. because not everything is exceptional you know i suppose it, it goes down to um fashion trends as well that things will mm. always drop down to what they will keep yeah. at basically yeah, so yeah. you'll have the few things that go, will go massive and then they'll mm. drop down to what i imagine they will stay at and we'll have other things that will kind of do the the oh, this is popular now and then we'll drop down to back to what it's it's truly worth but again it's something that will kind of in, in terms of trends and, and fashions and yeah mm. vary depending on what car it is yeah it's um it, it it's it's very interesting because there's lots of times where we we track that so there is a spike mm -hmm. and then there is a drop and then it flattens mm -hmm. so you know tess rosses we were talking about earlier on mm. that was a great example they went sky high you know we had our top value was i think it was one point it was one hundred eighty three thousand pounds for a tess Rossi. you know that's right. dropped that's dropped down, but it's been stable for the last couple of years. Um, 308s went up after that mm -hmm. for a similar sort of thing. Um, um, we're seeing a stabilization of some of the other cars that have been... Um, so um, uh, Mark II Jaguars, for mm -hmm. example. So last year, so 2020, we saw a couple of cars uh, uh, around the £100,000 for the right the right color manual overdrive 3.8 you know ticks every box mm -hmm. and uh this year um we've not quite seen that we saw one estimated over that but it didn't sell mm -hmm. and i think the highest this year was about 93 uh and it's so it's a it's a you know they've still generally gone up but it's but it's a it's a level where people go yeah well, no that is that is the right level for mm -hmm. those cars mm -hmm. um it's you know it's as much as a as a data job, this isn't really a data job. It's about human beings and yeah, especially and you're, you're analysing psychology and absolutely. love for humans more than what's on a valued of a, of a market of cars. Yeah, mm. and um, you know, as we said earlier on, there's sometimes there is this trigger, and it might be um, it might be James Bond. Um, you know, the the V8 that was in the the film. Yes. I, I, you know, the next day I was one of those. On, oh, completely. On, me too. Looking, yeah. looking, well, how much those, you know, I should know that. I looked on the guide and we're like, oh, <laughs> and then I looked at adverts and was like, well, maybe there's a cheap one. And you know, well, there is going to be a cheap one, is there? And, and then you get the cheap one and it's cost you a fortune to get on the road. And yeah, all the yeah. rest of it. So, um, but it's, um, that, that is the way these things start and talking about things and, um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when this whole resto mod thing. So I'm going to see this 
amazing E30 M3 Redux on Friday, the new one. Mm. And I remember when that first came out, and then there was the Del- the Delta Integrale, the yeah. Automobili Amos one. And when those first came out, it was like th- th- those, you know, the amount of money and time and effort that's going into those is is not. Com- comparable with what those cars were worth at mm. the time as a, as a standard road version but then you start looking at them and you go oh my god that is beautiful yeah. what they've done to those cars and then that kind of starts then they start appearing on uh on 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 videos and they start appearing on social media and then mm. everybody starts talking about them and then that's how they that's how they mm. kind of get into that consciousness mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I remember when that uh, that Delta mm. Integrale popped up and everyone suddenly went, oh, my goodness me. Because, again, I remember what feels like not that long ago, but it, in reality probably was about 15 years ago, that <laughs> you could go and buy those for two or three thousand yeah. pounds. And yeah. now there's just no hope in hell of getting no. anything. So before we wrap thing, things up, um, I'm going to ask two, uh, so two particular marks and models of cars that have that interest me now the first one it always seems crazy to not mention 911s when we've got somebody talking about car values because okay. again 911s for whatever reason there has been this it's a term that i've heard and one that i've used many times the porsche bubble or yeah. the 911 bubble i think it's definitely a very real thing but is it ever going to pop and <laughs> do you know can you give any indication as to why a 996 carrera 2 that Five or six years ago, you could go and buy for two and a half thousand, three thousand pounds. Is now twenty two. Like, yeah, what's what's happened there? The, the, right. So nine elevens. We we track how many people come onto our our website mm. and look at what values they look at on uh, on the valuation tool. And uh, Porsche d- just dominates it. Mm. I mean, it's like twice as many as anything else. And out of that, most of those are nine elevens. So. Yeah. Uh, it's something like I'd have to check my notes, but it's some, about I think it's about eight percent of all of all searches on the Haggerty Price Guide, and there's thousands of them mm. are nine elevens. Wow! And uh, E types a second, but <laughs> but the thing about nine elevens is that you know you are talking about so many different cars. Mm. There's all these different generations, and they rise and fall. Mm. So a few years ago, we had you know the early. Um, uh, 911s's so that uh, we're, we're going through the roof mm. and we again touched on over three hundred thousand pounds our top value and then that settled down because that's not yeah really realistic um the 2.7 rs you know the 2.7 rs is probably that generation of that slightly older people and they mm. saw that as being that really incredible uh racing car that you could you could drive on the road and and again, those values have, have settled down again. And t- talking about the more modern ones, you know, th- this is, I think this is, um, everybody is always trying to find a, a, a cheap 911 to own. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 993s went up as the last yeah. of the air cooled. Uh, then everybody went, yeah, but you know, 964 is, is actually, you know, you've got modern machine a lot more modern machinery more more modern driving style mm. but actually you've got the older look yeah and sort of g-series kind of ish look so then 964s went up and then everyone well, they're out of range so 996 was like well you know fried yeah. eggs and all the rest of it but there <laughs> but then you know and that and again it was pulled up by by the mm. by the um 
RS versions and the, the, yeah, the you course. know those those more exclusive versions, and then people go, well, okay, then I want a turbo, and then I want a you know, and then you come back down again until the Carrera is the one that people are like actually quite cool. Yeah, and yeah, the I think um, you know, will it continue? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I think you know, nine nine seven. Um, I, I can see that as being a being the next the next one where people do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're great cars. They, they are. Really are. Yeah, they are. Just annoyingly out of my price range. Yeah. <laughs> now the other one, uh, again, very selfishly self indulgent here. Uh, in uh, in 2013, I bought a Laguna Seca Blue E46 M3 BMW, which I loved. Uh, I got it for a very princely sum of six and a half thousand pounds, and I sold it about three years later, for £8,500, and I thought I'd made all the money. <laughs> I searched yesterday for a Laguna Seca Blue E46 M3. It was £27,000. <gasps> Have I made a huge mistake? Like, yes. It, are M3s ever going to come back down, or are they now? Again, and you referred to the, the E30 uh, yeah. that you're going to visit. Now, even just a 1990, yeah, yeah. late yeah. 80s, early 90s E30 M3 now, um, you know, it's a, a great uh, story I'd like to remind my good friend Tim Hutton about is that he he bought and sold a E30 M3. And I think he sold it, uh, having bought it with a student loan. We're going back a, a long, long time. But he sold it for 1,500 quid. Yeah. And of course, now an E30 is 60, 70. Yeah, yeah for a good one. Yeah. Is that just, are these numbers just going to keep growing? Or um, Yeah. I, I, uh, it, so the E30 has... It's growing, but not at the same rate it was. I mean, it, okay. it did shoot up. We we were um, probably about five years ago. I think we were we were uh, we saw one brilliant one at at Bister uh, Heritage, and it was absolutely immaculate. And I think we valued it at thirty five at the time. And okay. now that would be double that, yeah, at least double that. And um, then you got you know all the special editions again. Mm. Um, Chicotto models and things like that yeah. it's a you know so all of those will will always do do better um they will probably continue climbing mm. um and then the 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 later models um i just it's it's a bit like we said about the db5 and then the four and then the six and it's it's that as time goes on you you look around it and you go, well, that is also a really good car. And then more people of the generation that can remember those as being their cool, like really rich friends car or the aspirational car mm. that they, you know, one day we're going to get, then they're more able to buy that. And yeah. then it just kind of, the, you know, the, the searchlight moves. Mm. Um, I don't think it stops. I think it does. It probably, you know, there is a, it's almost like there, there is a, a time in the sunlight where that, that model will really perform well and then mm. it will probably either flatten or drop off a little bit um but things like um early very early amg mercedes yeah you know uh those those again um should have said those i think they're undervalued mm. like, amazing you, you were missing cars. your third so there you go you yeah well there you go <laughs> they're, they're amazing cars and at the time uh, you know eye-wateringly fast and mm. but also practical and um, if you can find a good one that's been looked after, which is always the yeah. always the thing, um, yeah. I th I think. Have you missed the boat? I think you yeah, have. I'm afraid. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was on the boat and I yeah, <laughs> jumped well, off. Jumped off. Jumped off early. Like <laughs> a fool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, 
our, our consumer advice would be uh, buy what you like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But if you can afford an M3, go and buy one now because uh, <laughs> it's probably going to do okay. But no, no promises or guarantees here. Um, this has been fascinating. I'd, mm. I'd actually like to throw... Um, throw the mic out to the audience really and see because i love hearing these stories we've had a few in the past of big wins big losses the oh god i shouldn't have sold that or oh dear i made a big mistake in buying that uh, so if anyone at home's got a story like that we can perhaps recap on this in a in a few weeks time um with one of our listeners letters episodes that we do every so often uh, it'd be good to know if uh, if you've done that so drop us an email podcast at drivenchat.com or uh, slip into our dms on your preferred feed uh, tell us your story we promise we won't laugh too much if it's an upsetting one because i am very <laughs> sympathetic you know i i've certainly lost um i know for a fact i've sold a 911 turbo for a lot less than it's worth now and just you know <laughs> yeah. the important thing is i don't dwell on it it doesn't keep me up at night i, I can tell no mm-hmm. no no that's it that's it um john thank you so much this yeah, has been really fascinating i think we should perhaps put a date in the diary to have another chat maybe the same to. time next year and we'll see mm-hmm. we'll have a reflection on What's happened? Hooray! Ferrari F40s are back to three hundred thousand pounds again. Because <laughs> you've obviously got that, and I've right? got a scratch card and one and all these other, and I found an M3 that I'd forgotten I bought, and you know all these things. It's, it's all possible. It's all possible. Mm-hmm. Well, thank tell. you for having me. It's been brilliant. Pleasure. I, I just love talking about cars, so it's been yeah, yeah it's great, great use of the morning. And just before we go, I guess it's, it's worth giving the website a plug, isn't it? So if people want to utilize your hard mm. work and see what things are worth, where, where should they head to? So Haggerty.co.uk is uh, is our website if you click on valuations then you'll find my little bit of the bit of the the website and uh, and then we've got entertainment which which is all our uh, all our content on there and and if you want to click on the insurance bit that would be great as well there we go i'm gonna do that i'm gonna see if i've uh, yeah got lots of money waiting for me if i sell my mini or something like that minis cool. are going up i know definitely even if they're rusty on one side yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening we shall speak to you next week the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital you dream it we bring it to life find out more at drivenchat.com oh wow you've made it to the end the very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye